Welcome to my podcast. I am your host, Evan Makovsky, and I am pleased to be joined on this episode by Matt Cholet. He's the president of Catapult. It's truly a pleasure, Matt, to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Evan. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here as well. Well, why don't we start with you telling the listeners what Catapult does? Catapult is an outsourced new business partner. Basically, we help build and drive sales engines for a wide range of companies. Though we were founded originally as as only working with advertising agencies, and those will always be our bread and butter, but we have really over the past couple of years continued to expand and work with more ad tech and platform type companies as, you know, they have similar needs, similar prospects that we're typically reaching out to. So I think where Catapult continues to try to differentiate from the huge amount of probably what you're more familiar with of like lead generation firms in the market is that our focus is completely on revenue, right? Rather than on leads. So driving leads is useless if none of those leads are actually turning into dollars. So as an outsource new business partner or as basically uh, an outsource sales partner, we want to be focused on that bottom of the funnel goal as much as possible rather than the top, even though sometimes what we can affect the most is the top. At the end of the day, it's all about dollars, man. It's all about finding ways to help your partners grow and generate more revenue. I agree with exactly what you're saying as far as it's not just about leads. These leads have to close, but also your company catapult where you are the president has to be extremely skilled at opening up these opportunities for them to close Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i kind of always say like jokingly with new prospects and people that we're talking to and things it's like i know you want a bunch of leads and it'd be great we got you 50 leads a month but if none of those 50 leads ever convert into dollars then you're just going to politely fire us yep. a few months from now right mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. i'd like to avoid that and i'd like to make sure that we're going out there and we're doing something a little different which is we're putting all our focus into opportunities rather than leads and making sure that we're working that that funnel basically backwards and driving the right types of opportunities that we think are going to uh, be something that we believe is, is a right to win for our clients that they can go in and they can actually finish and, and close the deals. Well, that makes sense. What is your role, whether boiling it down to day-to-day duties or however you want to explain it as president of Catapult? I think it's probably very similar to anyone else that's a president of a less than 50 person uh, company. You know, my, my role is really kind of always, always changing and evolving. It's funny. I actually, I took over this role in, in like December of 2019. So just a few months before the pandemic, which as you can imagine, you work really hard for a long time to earn it and hopefully get to uh, get to this place. And then you get hit with a serious case of the real world about three months into, uh, into the job. But what's amazing is how incredible our team was in kind of reacting and evolving as the, as the market changed so quickly. And really all of our jobs and all of our roles change. And for me, the crux of, of what I do is all about resource management, right? And in our case, as an outsourced sales team, that's really just a lot of people management. It's about finding the right people to fit with the right clients and giving them the tools that they need to go out and actually be able to win business. So I spend a lot of time working with that account team. I've spent a lot of time working on our marketing team to ensure that we're visible in the marketplace. But really after a couple of years of doing this and our team really stabilizing during the pandemic, it's kind of allowed me to spend more time kind of pulling out of that and doing more forward looking work to try and prepare us for the next one to five years of growth down the road. 
Well, you just alluded to the fact you've been in the president's role since December of 19, and there's no question that your challenge changed greatly in March of 2020. But at the same time, you've been with Catapult now. You're coming up on your five-year anniversary. So you've been in a variety of roles, clearly moving your way up the chain at Catapult. Why don't you share the story of how you ended up at Catapult and why it's worked so well for you the last five years? I think my advice to anyone as they're coming up and they're they're trying to figure out what they want to do and where they want to be is somewhat a bit of volunteer for everything, which is something that I did from the time that I started with our holding company, List Partners. Actually, it's it's going on 12 years now. So it's, it's weird for me to think about Catapult as five years because in some way I've always been around this brand just within some of the different brands within our suite of companies. But What's the you know, what's the connection there, so, Matt? Sorry to just interrupt. Yeah. You. So I was going to ask you about List Partners, but why don't you? Sure. You spent a decade there, so why don't you just intertwine the two? Yes. So back in the day, a little over a decade ago, we used to have a a product called the List, and the List is a database of marketing decision makers within big brands, big companies, and which agencies they're working with, and understanding kind of those those agency relationships, where they're spending their media dollars who's making those decisions and everything else, right? Over the years, the list was actually rebranded to what is now called Windmill, which is that data technology tool, the SaaS side of our company. I know. And it. Catapult, great, is uh, is the, the service side, right? So great. If you just need data and you've got a sales team and you want to go out there and you want to uh, be talking to the right people, you want to be speaking with Windmill. If you find yourself in a position where you don't have that sales team, Perfect. Then you want to be talking to uh, Catapult because we're the ones that are going to be able to go out and actually build that team for you. Those are kind of two of our main legs. We actually have a third brand as well called AAR Partners, and they're kind of the opposite of Catapult, where they're actually hired by brands to go find agencies. If you're a big brand like Home Depot and you need a new creative firm or a new media agency, you go to her and and, uh, Lisa and her team over at AAR, and they will absolutely help you find the right agency that fits. So we kind of have this three three branded house, and I got my start on the list partner side, just as a junior salesperson, was out there, you know, talking to people about data all day, every day, just doing the the typical sales hustle and job that that it takes. And I found myself regularly having conversations with agencies that would say, "Thanks for the data. We know who to go after, but we don't know how to go after them." And I'm a sales guy, so I'm sitting there at that point and saying all right, well, we've got this other company in-house, which is Catapult. Maybe they're a really good fit for them. And Catapult isn't a perfect fit for everybody. There's certain sizes agencies and certain size groups and things at that time that they were really working with. And so I saw an opportunity to say, how can I help these companies? How can I help consult them? How can I help give them the tools that they need to actually be able to grow? And so I went to, to my boss with a small idea and I said, hey, give me 300 bucks to buy a Wix site and we'll start another little brand called Agency Squared where We'll kind of be an agency for agencies and we'll help people that are buying this data actually get off the ground and, and show them a sales process. Over the years, Agency Squared kind of got rolled in, into uh, into Catapult, but that's where I got my start was immediately kind of looking for ways and, and really just trying to answer answer a problem that our prospects and clients were bringing up to us every day. So. I kind of volunteered myself for this role and took it on. And then we got an opportunity where we acquired a couple of companies actually within the UK. And there was a little bit of a discussion about who was going to run that. And uh, there weren't a whole lot of hands going up in the room at the time. And uh, and I said, well, hey, I'll, I'll be happy to uh, to try. 
And at the time, I think people looked at me like I was a little crazy because it was waking up at 5 a.m. because I was running the UK from here in Atlanta. So I was working a 5 a.m. To, to noon type shift, mm-hmm. which is uh, maybe it would have been easier now that I've got kids and I'm a little more used to waking up at, <laughs> at a ridiculous time. But then it, it was something that I had never even been to London when, when I took that on. And certainly trying to operate an international business was not something that I was skilled to do, but I volunteered for it. And it was something that I was willing to, to be a little humble about and just understand that I was probably going to make mistakes, but that I was going to dive in entirely and try to learn something. And opportunities like that taught me a lot about resource management, about, about running a business, about operating a P&L. And as, as things went along, uh, I found myself more and more drawn to the advertising world and to the catapult side of our business because I, I love the type of conversations that we have and the sophistication of the conversations with our clients. So one thing led to another, and, and uh, luckily I'm... Uh, uh, President. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it. it's, it's, it's an honor, yeah. It's so... Just you've touched on this just briefly, mm-hmm. just for listeners, what kind as far as verticals? And I know I've spoken in the past, you have PR firm clients, you have technology clients, just briefly, what verticals kind of, and again, it has to be the right fit. I got that. Sure. But um, does Catapult kind of, the companies do they deal with as far as verticals go? Like I mentioned, I mean, we've always worked with agencies and that goes across the broad spectrum of how you define an agency, whether it's someone that's creative, a full service, digital PR, media, you name it. We kind of have always operated across that broad spectrum. And I think if you look at the last five years, the definition of agency has has really changed. And there's a lot of blurring of lines of that type of client. In fact, what we found is we operate really, really well with folks that are ad tech sponsorship media as well. Some more of the platform type clients, they have very similar type needs, similar uh, prospect pools that they're going after. They're having the same types of conversations that we're already operating within that ecosystem. So that's where we've kind of continued to expand while always kind of staying true to who we are, which is our agency clients. Gotcha. Matt Chole, he's the president of Catapult and he's my guest here on my podcast. Matt, If you had to boil down characteristics that you bring to the table and that Catapult's employees bring to the table, as far as mindset or skills, what makes somebody successful, not just procuring new business, but there's research obviously and matching and it's targeted, but what what makes somebody successful at Catapult and, and what makes you successful there? Well, I mean, I think uh, I think there's always some a little bit of like a weird trait in salespeople as a whole, right? That you you're kind of okay with hearing no all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. Like you a, know, like it. Well, I was just going to say, like a hitter in baseball, they they hit 300. They're considered a good hitter, but they're going up seven out of ten times. They're failing and making out, but they have to. They're considered a good hitter three out of ten times, and they need to go up to the plate that next time, expecting to get a hit and uh, kind of w- walk past those seven failures and really be confident. Whereas I feel like in sales. And I, I want to let you answer the question, but you, you hit sure. on something here. In sales, a lot of people, including smart people, can't handle those seven out of 10 outs or rejections, and it's just too much for them. There's a, a lot of 
different theories on rejection and and the way that you handle it and and whether or not you're kind of disassociating a little bit. I think a lot of it, and some people have it really early on, and I think it's different for me now. You know, I used to, even though I've always been in sales on some level, uh, I used to take it really, really personally. Who right? likes if it? Someone, Who likes it? Said no. Who likes it right? though, yeah. right? Nobody likes it, yeah. but it's yep. it's part of your job. Rejection. Well, I mean, I think it's also, though, about understanding that, like, they're not rejecting me personally, that there's uh, out of all of those no's that you hear. Yeah, some, sometimes maybe you screwed up and you didn't present something properly or whatever else. But there's also a lot of times where it's so purely timing, right? Mm-hmm. I can't force someone to buy. I can only come to them with something that if I really believe in my product or my service, then I have no problem coming to them and 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 starting something cold, right? And having a conversation with them because I truly believe that, yeah, I'm bringing something of value. You may not agree or you may be happy with where you're at or whatever else, or candidly, they just can't make a move yet. Like, especially in the agency world, maybe they just switched a year ago. They're not and going to be anywhere near ready to actually go through an actual change of of relationships and everything else. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that there's certainly a good deal of personality and understanding and maturity that comes with a more experienced sales team that understands why people are rejecting you Mm -hmm. and how to properly handle that because they're not going to reject you forever. I'll tell you from doing this for 12 years, it's amazing. And it just happened uh, last week. I, you know, someone sent me a proposal that I sent them three years ago and now they're ready. They liked me. They loved our conversation. They just weren't in a place where it was ready now. And they just came back and said, you know what? Like we screwed up right? We, we, we held pat, we didn't do anything. And as you can imagine, we're still in the same place. We stood still and we should have, we should have come back to you earlier. I think part of that is just saying, I'm going to try to just bring value to every conversation, regardless of whether or not they buy. Like, I'm just going to try to have a valuable conversation and make a meaningful connection with someone on a human to human level. And then that call is going to be a success if you're able to do that. Now, whether or not they buy, Ah, that may be today, it may be tomorrow, it may be in a month, it may be in three years, like the guy who just sent me uh, an email. But I think that's you know an important part of, of understanding that rejection and, and a little bit of the, the, you know, the crazy that exists in all salespeople that you know, we allow ourselves to do this, this type of work all day, every day. And you make a great point there about it could be they made a mistake or it could be three years ago they maybe weren't in a monetary position budget-wise to hire you, but now there could be a myriad of reasons to your point, but you go in, it's almost like Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, Circle of Concern and Circle of Influence. You're focused on your circle of influence. Circle of Concern people get wrapped up in where you need a outside third party to consent to a decision. And there could be other extraneous things like budget or whatever it is that are not in your control. And I think it's basically what you're telling me is you focus on your circle of influence, what Mm -hmm. you can control directly where you don't need another party to make a decision to define it as a success. But the fact of the matter is in sales, there is a circle of concern aspect where the prospect may not, and it's like you alluded to, it could not be personal at all. It could be timing, it could be money, it could be a zillion other reasons, but it's not fully in your control, but you focus on what you do and then it comes around. Yeah, one of my buddies always says control the controllables and it sounds super obvious, but it's true. And what I think from a sales perspective, what you 
have to be really careful of is the idea of projecting reasons onto them for why it didn't work out, right? Because like you alluded to a little bit there, there are so many things that you don't know about what's going on with that individual on the other side of the line, the mm -hmm. other side of the FaceTime. You don't know about all of their office politics. You don't know about what's happening from a, their personal lives and how that may be affecting the spending habits of the company, right? If they're a sole owner or whatever else. And so again, it, it's a little bit about divorcing yourself from the end result, which I know sounds a little silly given that at the beginning of this, all I talked about was our focus on that bottom line, mm -hmm. but it's, it's about divorcing yourself in the moment from the end result and just focusing on making sure you are talking to them like an actual human being. You actually care about what's going on within this person's business, the problems they're facing, and how you realistically may or may not be able to solve them. Some of my best clients have come from referrals from a prospect that I said no to because I just didn't think we were going to be a good fit. I didn't think it was going to be right. And we had a really nice conversation. At the end of it, it was just, you know what? I either don't think they're ready or we weren't big enough or prepared to do what they really needed and where their bigger problem was, but we made a connection. And so three months down the line, what do they do? They're talking to one of their friends that says, you know, I'm really struggling with sales right now. Oh, I just talked to this guy, Matt. Super nice guy, really honest, didn't try to oversell me, right? And like that immediately put me in a, in a different box, I think, than some of the other people out there. So divorcing yourself from that end result a little bit, I think, allows you to, to treat people with a little more empathy and honesty. And I think in the long run, that changes drastically your success, not only with things like your day-to-day -day sales, but I'm hopeful within your overall professional development as well and your ability to climb to the position that you want. Matt, you're from Florida. You went to undergrad at St. John's College in Rochester, New York, not far from me. At Syracuse University, you received an MBA at Mercer College in Atlanta. You've settled down there. Take us through kind of your educational moves up north and back down south into the professional world. I did most of my, let's say, formative growing up here in the Atlanta area. In high school, my dad moved us twice from Atlanta to Virginia Beach and then from Virginia Beach to Rochester, New York, which uh, couldn't be more to, let's say, two more different places. And uh, I wound up sticking around up in, in upstate New York and played baseball at St. John Fisher College and just loved my time up there. It's a fantastic school. I wish I'd probably spent a little more time in class, uh, <laughs> maybe not less time on the baseball field, but I, you know, I could have used, it. uh, probably, probably being a little, a little more, uh, a little more mature when I was 18, 19, but I loved it. I loved my time up there, but for me, it's just too cold. And so I, the day after I graduated, I moved back down to Atlanta and started a sales career at a healthcare company here down in the city. And uh, yeah, you mentioned my my time at Mercer. I thought it was it was really important for me to to go back to to get an MBA to try to continue to improve on my skill set. And so for a year and a half, two years, that was kind of my thing. I I did my MBA at night, and so it was uh, two or three nights a week. I'd go to class from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. and got that finished. And uh, I think that was something that also helped me. That was during my time when when I was running the UK side of our business. And so, yeah, that was a that was a big kind of learning opportunity for me, kind of going back into school, working on some of these things while also just for the first time really learning how to run a business. Wrapping up with Matt Cholet, president of Catapult, new business work requires a motor, 
I was, you mentioned baseball. I was not surprised, but impressed to learn you're an outdoorsman, climber, and triathlete. Share a bit about your personal life, but also is there any connection between that physical motor that you have that transfers into new business and everything you've described professionally here? This kind of goes back to the sales mentality. I like challenging myself, insanely competitive which draws me to sales. It is a clear win or lose. Did someone sign or not sign? You know, that sort of thing, even though it can take a while. But while a lot of that comes from my days of playing baseball, you know, I've been drawn more and more to the outdoors and the beauty and challenge of, of the mountains, which has led me to rock climbing and mountain climbing as really kind of two of my big interests. And there are things that I think are challenges that are absolutely applicable to to growing your business or your work or life in general, especially, you know, I mean, you think about when it comes to rock climbing, you know, I love that it's something that basically feels like a puzzle that's working on your brain. You know, where do I grab next? If I mm -hmm. grab here, what does that do to my weight? How does that change this ascent? You know, like what are all the, 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 is this the safest way? Is it the easiest way? There's a harder way, but it's short, you know, there's all sorts of things, but it's also straining your muscles. Why? And so, there's this incredible balance of like fear and excitement and frustration and happiness. And it's a, it just gives me a, a, a um, kind of a, a constant challenge that I, that I love. Um, you know, I'm terrible at it. I'm certainly not Alex Honnold out there free soloing and everything else, but, um, but I do what I can and I enjoy it. And uh, there's no, there's no scorecard, right? It's just something that you're, you're constantly challenging yourself with. But uh, um, you did just bring up a great point though, about mm -hmm. how, sales is a little bit about it's similar to sports the scoreboard doesn't lie which you tied into at the beginning regarding revenue and salespeople and i guess owning a company can be the ultimate entrepreneurial job or sales job but whether you're a salesperson or not people can hide behind marketing jobs or whatnot if you are tasked with quotas or revenue type goals or whatever it is, you are going to have to weigh in from a scoreboard type standpoint. And to me, I like that challenge, which you just illustrated. Yeah. And I mean, I think sales is a little bit, you're, you're front and center, right? I mean, uh, there's, there's always that little bit of ego in it. And I certainly, that exists for me. Like I was a pitcher. I liked being on the mound and the, the game hinged and started and stopped, right? Every single time you throw the ball. So the longer you stand there not throwing the ball, the game's not moving, mm -hmm. right? So uh, sales sometimes feels the same way, right? Like if you're making sales, everyone loves you. It's great. That's where you're, you know, you feel like you're really pushing things. If you're not, uh, yeah, you get a very different feeling um, if you're missing those quotas. But, um, you know, I think I think that there's certainly that that kind of sport aspect of it. You know, the other, the other part of, of where I spend a lot of my time is is in just like rather than vertical rock climbing is actual mountain climbing. Um, and in that there's this thing that we call kind of type two fun, right? Where not every part of the mountain uh, and, and mountain climbing is the summit, right? In fact, it's typically like 30 minutes out of a multi-day trip. And so there's a lot of just this sucks, right? Type things going on in the middle where you are uh, and hour number seven of hiking and 4,000 feet of elevation, and you're just tired and it's tough. And it, that's the same thing as kind of hearing some of that rejection, because there's such a mental part of, man, I'm tired, man, I want to slow down, man, I want to take a break or whatever else. But for me, it's really kind of mentally one of those places where 
I know people do meditation in very different ways. For me, it, it's one of those kind of clearing mechanisms where I get to go out there and I get to push myself in a way that I don't get challenged here in Atlanta. There's not a whole lot of mountains out here. It's certainly not something that naturally I think I'm gifted at by any stretch. I have to work really hard in order to be able to make it on on some of the, even like the smaller mountains, right? But it's something that I think is important that you could take to other parts of your life that, you know, you get up and you go and you try and you continue to push. And the summit is not all you're thinking about, right? It's all about just what's that next step? What's the rest of your plan? How are you going to continue to just do a little bit better each time? And uh, and eventually you get up there. So I love everything outdoors and, and climbing because I think there's a certain part of just being out there and being away from the city and everything else that is refreshing and really positive to an overall mindset. So that way, when you come back and you're in the process of making sales and everything else, you're kind of kind of ready to go. What does the future hold for Matt? Chole. I'm sure catapult is everything and congratulations <laughs> as five years is just about to happen. But would owning a business be something that interests you at some point? You have such an energizing story. So I'm sure there's a lot left in the tank. I'm invested in catapult and I'm invested in our growth. And that's, I wouldn't have been here 12 years if I didn't love this place and more importantly, love the people that are, that are around here, right? You don't spend 12 years with people that you can't stand. So that's what really my future is, is sitting down and really focusing on that, focusing on how we continue to grow past the pandemic, which hopefully we're on the, you know, towards the end of, but finding ways to continue to, to evolve this brand. I mean, we have over the last two years, we've doubled in size, which is great. We're hiring more people. We're hiring people with all sorts of different skill sets. What I want to continue to do is find ways to, to help our partners grow in ways that they haven't really even thought of. I think that's all about breaking out of this idea of a lead generation firm and really just looking at it from a problem solving standpoint of where can we help our partners grow, which is anywhere from your proactive outbound to organic to core network, but then also on the marketing side and helping them with content and SEO, SEM, PR, all of those sort of different ways. So as we continue to expand our offering, it's all with the idea that we want to be able to continue to help our clients grow at a, at a rate that's exciting and fundamentally changes their business. Matt Cholet, President Catapult. Thank you so much for the time and the great insights. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Adam. That's going to do it for today's episode. I want to thank Matt Cholet, the President of Catapult, and I'm Evan Makovsky, and we will see you on the next episode.